Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. We'll be preaching out of Luke chapter 5 this morning. The title of the message is Deep Water Faith. Now, I do apologize. The next two weeks, we're going to have some audio issues. It's going to cut in and out a little bit. We think we've nailed down the problem, but for the next two episodes, it's going to be a little spotty. I apologize for that. Please enjoy. All right, if you have your places in Luke chapter 5 and you're physically able, I'm going to invite you to stand one last time as we read the scripture. We're just going to read the first six verses of Luke chapter 5. The Bible says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, that he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water, let down your nets for catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say, and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. The title of the message this morning, we're going to call it Deep Water Faith. Deep Water Faith. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for meeting with us this morning. We want to thank you for allowing us to be here. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to hear the words of the Lord this morning, to let the Scripture soak over us, Lord, Holy Spirit, to teach us something from heaven. Be with our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever felt like nothing you did makes any difference? Have you ever felt like you go through the motions, you do what's expected of you, and then it kind of feels like you're stuck in the mud? It kind of feels like You've gotten bogged down in a mud hole and the tires are spinning and mud slinging and you're doing the best you can to get unstuck, but the tire spins and spins and spins and you're not going anywhere and you're not making any progress and nothing you do matters. You ever feel like that sometimes? I think we all feel like that from time to time. And me personally, I can feel like that when I prepare a message. The Lord can bring me to a passage and I know the Lord wants me to preach on the passage and I read it and I read it and sometimes I'm throwing out that line and throwing out that line and reeling nothing in and sometimes it just feels like I'm not getting anything out of this, Lord. You want me to preach on this. I'm not getting anything out of it. And, you know, sometimes it just feels like that for me. And this is undoubtedly how Peter felt during this time. 
He had spent all night fishing, laboring very hard. It was him and his brother Andrew in his boat. His friends, John and James, they were in their father's boat nearby. And they had been fishing all night. And let me tell you that Peter absolutely pulled out every single trick he had up his sleeve. Every single thing in his bag of tricks, everything in his hat, he chummed the waters, he went to the honey holes. We all got our honey holes, fishermen. We all got that little honey hole that you caught that big bass in. And so he went to all his honey holes, and it's like they were all fished out. He'd caught there before, but he didn't catch any that night. And after a whole night of labor, after a whole night of toil, it was like they had done nothing. They had absolutely nothing to show for all their work and for all their labor. Maybe just a little seaweed, but the night was a total bust. After a very disappointing night, the next morning they're washing their nets and a crowd starts coming their way. As the crowd gets closer, they could see Jesus in front of the crowd and the crowd is pressing around Jesus and pressing around Jesus and pressing on him and he's, he's, he's kind of squashed in the middle of them and the crowd gets closer and closer. Now at this point in Jesus and Peter's relationship, and even at this point he's still called Simon, um, Peter knows who Jesus is. In fact, his brother Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus. So Peter knew, Simon knew who Jesus was. And when they got closer, Jesus asked Peter, can I get into your boat and push out a little away from the shore just to put some distance between us and the crowd, between me and the crowd, where I can speak to them? And basically, he's asking, can I use your boat as a pulpit? Now, Peter absolutely did not hesitate at all because he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. When Jesus wants to preach, you'll listen. And so he said, absolutely, and even though he had been out all night, and even though he had labored, and even though he had toiled, he wanted to hear Jesus preach the Word of God, and so he let Jesus get in the boat. They pushed out just a few feet away from the shore, just to put some wa- just a few feet of water between Jesus and the crowd where they wouldn't be pressing on him, and Jesus began to preach, and Jesus began to speak. When Jesus finished speaking, he looked at Peter and he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, Peter didn't say anything the first time Jesus made a request of him, but he said something this time. This is a time where Jesus, where, where Peter actually spoke up and he, he had kind of a little objection about what Jesus had asked him to do. And you can almost hear it in the words that Peter said. You can read the subtext almost of what Peter is, is trying to say to Jesus. And what, what you know, you could almost imagine in Peter's voice, you could almost hear the words, Jesus, you're a good preacher, but I am a professional. 
I am a professional at what I do. Isn't it always nice when someone comes to your job and tells you how to do your job? Isn't that nice? I love that about my job. It's my favorite thing for a customer to tell me how to do my job. And so he may see, he was, you could hear it in Peter's voice, Jesus, you may be a good teacher and a good preacher, but I am a professional fisherman. I've been doing this all my life. I know what I'm doing. We've already tried this. Everybody knows during this time of the morning, during this time of the day, the fish are not going to be out in the deep. That's not where they are. Everybody knows this, Jesus. And if you were a fisherman, you'd know this too. Jesus, I'm tired. Jesus, I'm weary. Jesus, I'm sleepy. I want to go home. I want to get into the bed. So as Jesus, as Peter objected, you could almost hear the subtext in his voice. But Peter said, I'll do as you say, and I will let down the nets. And when Peter did this, he caught so much fish that he was calling for the other boat to come and, come and help him. James, John, get in your boat. Get out here. Help us. I've got so much fish that, that I don't know what to do with. And as they begin to pull the fish in, so much fish fills the boats that the boats begin to sink. And, and you've got to understand that these boats were built to catch fish, to fish to catch as much fish as the fishermen could catch. And some commentators have said, this is four, five, six tons of fish that they're reeling in, and the, the, the boats are at the point of sinking. This is at the point in Peter where something changed. Something changed in Peter at this point. We see in the Scripture, and we'll read in a few minutes, that Peter fell down at Jesus' feet. And he said to Jesus, Go away from me, for I am a sinner man. And then Jesus said, Do not fear, for from now on you will be catching men. Now this is a very interesting story. A very fascinating story in the Word of God. And what I want to do this morning is I want to make some observations about this story. And I see some different types of faith in this story. And so we're going to talk about the different types of faith that we can see in this story this morning. The first type of faith we're going to talk about, I'm going to call deep faith. Deep faith faith. We all remember what it was like learning how to swim. We all remember that. It's fun being in the shallow water, but then when you get out in the deep water, that's a little scary. It's a little scary to get out there in the deep water, and so we all remember uh, when we're first starting to try to get out into the deep water, what we do is we go under the little floaty line and then we get on the side of the, of the, of the pool, and we just kind of crawl along the side of the pool, almost like we're Spider-Man. And we crawl, uh, crawl along the outside edge of the deep end, and then you get brave. You come up on a corner. 
and you're like, okay, I'm going to jump. I'm going to skip this corner. I'm going to jump from here and jump over to that wall over there, and I'm going to skip that corner. And we've all skipped the corner. And I remember when years ago, Colin tried to skip a corner, and he, whoop, he went down. So I had to jump in, close and all, to get him. Ruined a perfectly good iPhone. That rice trick doesn't work. I think that phone is still over there in rice, and that's been years ago. The rice trick doesn't work. And so we, we, we've all felt what it was like to try to learn how to swim in the deep end, and it can be a little scary. Let me explain something to us. Let me bring something to our attention about shallow water. Shallow water is easy. Shallow water is comfortable. Shallow water, in shallow water, you're less likely to get in over your head. But the, you know what the problem with our Christianity today, the problem with Christians today is we've got Christians in our churches that want to stay in the shallow end. They want to stay in the shallow end of the pool, and they're afraid to dive off deep into their Christianity. You see, most Christians like to stay by the shore in the shallow water because we're going to call the actual dry land the shore, we're going to call that the world. And Christians like to stick close by the shore because, they, they, they're, familiar, because they're familiar with that and because they never fully leave the old ways. They never fully leave the old life. There's a problem with a shallow Christian. A shallow Christian that has a shallow faith only experiences God in a shallow way. It's the only way they experience God is in a shallow way. You see, shallow Christians, they read the Bible, but they just get the surface. They just get what's on the surface. You know, we are commanded, we are commanded, yes, to read the Bible, but actually we're commanded to study the Bible. And let me tell you something, you can go over one passage that you've read over and over and over and over your entire life, but you stop and you take a couple verses and you really, really pay attention and you really read it a couple of times and you really try to understand what's going on, you will see a deeper meaning inside of that passage that you have never seen before because the Bible is alive. The Bible is a living, breathing book, and you will get something out of it that you've never seen before. I promise you, you will. Get a study Bible. Read the footnotes. Look up the references. What is it trying to say? If it's got uh, uh, something into the appendix, go read it. Go read what it's telling you to go read. Go look at the map in the back that it's referring to so you can see where these cities were and how far they were apart. And you, you, you look at the Bible in context and you look at the Bible with historical background and you will bring stuff out of the Word of God that you've never seen before. Shallow Christians will never experience that because they just read what's on the surface. Shallow Christians pray. Well, they pray. But they don't know what it's like to wade off into the deep, into the pool in their prayer life. They don't know what it's like 
that have a request that you didn't pray for for a day, that you didn't pray for just a couple of times. They don't know what it's like to pray for one thing for years. For years. I know what it's like to have a prayer list that you go by when you pray. I don't know what it's like to weep when you pray. I don't know what it's like to fast when you pray, to give up something you enjoy, to show God you're serious about your prayer life. And when you do these things, what you're doing is you're you're wading off into the deep. You're going off into the deep end of the pool. And that's what you're doing. And shallow Christians never do that, that have a shallow faith. They like to stay in the shallow end of the pool. This is the deep end that we're talking about. A Christian that has a shallow faith, you know God's love because you've put your faith in him. But in the deep end of the pool, you actually understand how deep his love goes. You actually understand the sacrifice that he made. And the fact that you could not stand before God. And the fact that because you're a sinner, you are unrighteous, your righteousness is as filthy rags, and you know he died on the cross for you, but you begin to understand that he did that, so when you accept his sacrifice, and he washes your sins away with his blood, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your filthy rag righteousness, he sees the righteousness of his son. So you don't understand the depth of his love when you stay in the shallow end of the pool. You understand in the deep end, you understand his longing for relationship with you. Understand that the deepness of his love means that you are forgiven. And one thing I've noticed is when Christians stay in the shallow end, they still carry their guilt even though they don't have to. I know you've messed up. I've messed up too. I've done some things in my life that I would be so embarrassed to tell you about. We've all been there. But we don't have to carry guilt. We don't have to carry it. You don't have to feel guilty. You understand what the word justified means. The word justified, it basically means it's justified, never sinned. That's, that's kind of what it means. And you understand that you may remember your past sin, but once you've been redeemed and once you've been justified, God can't remember it. And if God can't remember it, it didn't happen. God wipes it away. He takes it away. As far as the east is from the west, he got rid of it. Yeah, it's going to be scary. It's scary to launch out into the deep. It's scary to launch out away from the old. It's scary to launch out away from the familiar. But I guarantee you, 
that God has so much to offer a Christian that is willing to do this. The deep waters of faith, the deep waters of His presence, the deep waters of His Word, the deep waters of worship, the deep waters of joy, the deep waters of spirit, the deep waters of His heart. Job 11.7 Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? And the answer to the question that Job is being asked is no, you can't. I was raised on the Bogachita River. And man, we would float. I floated that river so many times. My dad has a camp in Pike County uh, right near the 98 Bridge. And so you go around two bends, and there's my dad's camp. And me and my friend Sean had a couple of tubes that we found from the choo-choo. And we hid them away. And what we would do is we'd go down there on the weekend. We'd get those tubes, and we'd get in the water, and we'd float two and a half hours down to the water park, get out, walk 30 minutes back to my dad's camp, get in the water, and do it again. Now, sometimes I would even do it without... Of, uh, uh, an inner tube. You can't do that today. I tried that a couple of years ago, and there's so many stobs and, and trees, you'd get tore up if you floated that thing without an inner tube. But I remember there's this one spot near my dad's camp that we never really knew how deep the water was. And so I remember trying to find out how deep this little spot was. And so what I'd do is I'd swim out to this little spot in the water, and you get out there, and then you straighten out, and you put your hand up, and you let air out, and then you start to sink. And you can feel when your hand uh, is in completely in the water, and as soon as your hand is completely in the water, you're in there pretty deep, and you're still going down. Well, the first one or two seconds you're sinking, man, uh, you're really interested to see how deep it is. But after about three seconds and you still have not touched the bottom yet, and that water is getting colder and colder and you think you're about to land on a gator's head, you get up out of that water just as quick as you possibly can. You can't get out of the water fast enough. A wave of terror flashes over you when you realize I've been sinking for this long and I haven't touched the bottom yet. Who, Leviathan may be down there. I don't know. I'm not going to find out. But you know, diving off into the deep waters of your faith, it's, it's a better experience than that. What's so great about diving off deep into your faith? What's great about it is that you can't touch the bottom. You can't touch the bottom. It doesn't matter if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. It doesn't matter how far along in your faith you are, how much you've grown in Christ. It doesn't matter if you've grown in Christ for the last 35 years of your life. You can't touch the bottom. And that's what's great about it. What's wrong with our Christianity today Man, we've got too many Christians floating in the shallow end of the pool, afraid to go off into the deep end. That's what we need, deep faith Christians. Number two, 
Another thing I notice about this, this story is we're going to call blind faith. Peter objected because of his human reasoning. He objected because of his human logic. He objected because of his human brain. Peter said in himself, going out there at this time, during this time of the day, into the deep, after I fished this lake all night, and throwing the net out does not make any sense to me. It does not compute in my brain. It makes no logical sense. I've been at this all night. I've done this my entire life. I know what I'm doing. But the only reason why Peter did it it's because Jesus asked him. If Andrew would have asked him to do that, he'd have told him to go jump, off, go jump off a cliff. I'm going home and going to bed. Okay? But he did it because Jesus asked him to do it. He obeyed. And because he obeyed, he was blessed with a miracle. You see, stepping out in faith sometimes doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes it makes no logical sense to step out in faith. I know, I know sometimes in ministry, my own personal experience, you can throw out a net and throw out a net and throw out a net and get nothing back. But then sometimes, uh, sometimes the Lord will bless. Somebody will come to accept Christ, somebody will come to church that you've been inviting for a long time, and you, you, you think to yourself, man, what did I do different this time? And the answer to that question is you didn't do anything different. And you know what that means? That the factor is Christ. See, when you realize that it's not... He was the changing factor that made something happen. The answer is Christ. He does that sometimes to show us it's not you that's doing this, it's me. Here's another thing I see. How many times has somebody came to you for advice? I don't know, advice about their marriage, advice about something at work or some kind of relationship or something. They come to you and ask for advice. You give them advice. You give them good biblical advice. And they say, oh, I've already tried that. I've already done that. Then you want to say, did you do it on your own initiative or did God lead you to do it? Because there's a difference. There's a difference in you going through the motions and faking it and God leading you and you being sincere about it. There's an absolute 100% difference in that. Hebrews 11:6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whosoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Though it didn't make sense to Peter, he obeyed. I'm not going to do it because it makes sense to me. I'm not going to do it because it, 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 it's logical. I'm going to do it because you told me to. Sometimes going to church feels vain. Sometimes praying 
doesn't seem to do any good. Sometimes you pray and it feels like your prayer didn't make it past the ceiling. Sometimes it feels like he's not listening to you at all. Sometimes it feels that way. And what do you do when your Christian life, it just feels like it's not helping? What do you do? You do it anyway. You follow anyway. You pray anyway. You read your Bible anyway. You go to church anyway. You do it anyway, even though you're not feeling it. Because let me tell you, even though you can't see it, God has a plan. Peter didn't know what was under that water. He couldn't see it, but Jesus could. Man, Peter wanted to pack it up. Peter wanted to go home. Peter did not want to be there, but he obeyed anyway, and he was blessed with a miracle. Blind faith. Because even though you can't see his plan, I promise you he's got one. Next thing I see in this passage is humble faith. Let's read verses 6 through 9. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Our flesh gets puffed up at success. I've told you before, I'm, you know, I'm an athletic child, um, but, uh, you know, I was kind of the dumpy kid. Do, 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 do. So I'll be going out there. And, but, you know, I remember being, being chosen as a captain of like a, a, a softball team and I get to pick all the players and I'm the captain and man, I'm just so puffed up. Man, I'm just, oh, I'm the captain. I'll throw you out of the game. You better not talk cross to me. Why? Because success makes, puffs us up. Success gets us prideful. We have a, as humans, we have a prideful reflex to success. But that's not how Peter responded. This was the largest haul of Peter's life, and he did not respond with pride. In fact, it was just the opposite. Peter humbled himself. And I think it's at this point Peter realized who Jesus really was. You see, for Peter, shallow water Jesus was different than deep water Jesus. Something changed in Peter. It changed at this point. The more clearly you see Jesus, the more clearly you see yourself. Man, I can go into a, a dim bathroom and look in a mirror with one little, weak little 40 watt bulb, and I don't look that bad. But man, you get out here in, in this sunshine, Man, you can't hide any flaws after that. Everybody's seeing you. He said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You never really truly see yourself until you see yourself in the light of Jesus. You really, you really don't. Humans, we have a higher opinion of ourselves than we should. We, 
we, we have an inflated sense of self. And one of the things, one part of the reason why we have an inflated sense of self is because of this, we always like to blame other people. It's so-and-so's fault. We like to blame the wife. She's holding me back. The wife likes to blame the husband. Yeah, we call him the dream smasher. And, you know, we blame our jobs, and it's always somebody else's fault. It's because we have an inflated sense of self. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he fell down and he said, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. The Bible tells us that Daniel was a beautiful person, but in Daniel chapter 10, whenever, whenever, whenever Daniel saw God, the Bible says that his beauty was turned into corruption. See, when you, if you see someone who's proud and arrogant, chances are they haven't met Jesus, truly met Jesus. It isn't until we, we see ourselves for who we really are, that, that we see how hopeless and helpless and how in desperate need of His grace we really need. And the problem is, because as humans, you know what we like to do? We like to compare ourselves to other people. You see, if I compare myself to Marcus, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not that bad. But when I compare myself to Jesus, Man, things are suddenly revealed, and I'm standing in the light of the Son of God, and every flaw is seen. And in the light of Jesus, we see ourselves more clearly. And then, finally, I see an active faith, an active faith. Let's read verse number 10. And also... And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. See, this deep, humble, blind faith had turned into active faith. And when faith is active, faith spreads. Active faith spreads you know it amazes me who god chooses to use you know because usually god doesn't choose the elite god doesn't choose the best or the cultured or the the most educated a lot of times he chooses brawlers and drug addicts alcoholics those are the people that god chooses to use you see People who've made mistakes. That's who God chooses to use. God can use anyone in his service. God can use fishermen. God can use mechanics. God can use accountants. God can use grocery store clerks. God can use absolutely anybody. 1 Corinthians one twenty six says, For consider brethren... There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. 
And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Peter saw success that day. In Peter's field of profet- in his field of profession, he saw success that day that he could never have imagined as a fisherman, he never could have imagined hauling in that much fish, but he knew that it was not his skill that did it. Verse 11. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Like I said, this was the biggest haul of his career. He could have sold all that fish and made so much money. It was more money than a fisherman could ever hope for. And he left it. He left a small fortune and all his gear and all his boats. He left it on the shore for whoever wanted it. Why in the world did he do that? Because he knew that the rewards of following Jesus were greater than the rewards that the world could ever offer him. And in Acts chapter 1, Peter throws out the net and 3,000 souls come to Christ. Then in Acts chapter 4, he throws out the net again and 5,000 souls come to Christ. So really, he had become a fisher of men. Why did all that happen? Because Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And Peter did it. Do you have a shallow, superficial faith this morning? I'm not telling you to sell all your your possessions and go be a missionary in Africa. That is not what I'm telling you to do today. And I'm not saying that your life has to drastically change overnight. But I'm saying in your Christian life, maybe it's time to leave the shallow waters. And maybe it's time to wade off into the deep end of the pool. And you know, it doesn't matter if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. There's no bottom to that pool. It's as deep as you want to go. And if we have shallow faith, we experience God in a shallow way. And we have a shallow Jesus. But when we deep, dive off into deep, humble, active, blind faith, we experience Jesus how he's supposed to be experienced. Bottomless, limitless, unimaginable, unimaginable blessings, miracles, more than we could ever imagine. we got to dive off into the deep end. Maybe today we make that commitment to go a little bit further. You know, I love that scripture when he's in the garden. And it says he went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed. How do you live a successful Christian life? Every day. Go a little further, fall on your face, and pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a second, we're going to have a verse of invitation during this time. If you'd like to use the altar, you're more than welcome to.
If not, you can sit in your seat. And what I'd like for you to do as you stand there in just a minute is I want you to meditate on the Scripture today. And I want you to think about Peter. And I want you to think about what he would have missed if he hadn't went out just a little deeper. And maybe, I don't know what area is popping up in your head. I don't know if it's your Bible reading. I don't know if it's your church attendance. I don't know if it's, if it's uh, your prayer life. I don't know if it's somebody that you're, you're wanting to witness to, that you're tired of witnessing to. But maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, look, witness to him one more time. Present him the gospel one more time. I don't know what area in your Christian life that you need to go a little deeper in. But we've all got areas that we need to go a little deeper in. Today, it's time to spend time with God, do business with God, meditate on what he told us.